If there was a missing piece of information that is costing you money now, or could cost you money in the future, when would you want to find out about it? Ideally, you would want to learn about it right now. It's best to learn these critical facts before you make any financial decisions, because not knowing could have profound effects on your financial future. One of the best ways to make money is to avoid losing it in the first place. So we focus on all the missing facts to keep your money from falling through the cracks, and we engineer tax strategies to reduce burdens on your income. Welcome to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast with Ken New from Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management. As a fiduciary advisor, Ken focuses on creating individualized holistic plans rather than cookie cutter portfolios. Listen in as Ken and his guest experts explore key retirement and tax strategies that every pre-retiree should consider to reach their pinnacle. Now, onto the show. Your roadmap to retirement may focus on accumulation of assets, but there is more to that than just saving. You need planning. In previous episodes, your host, Ken New, discussed income planning, one of the five key fundamentals of his retirement planning process. This time around, he focuses on tax planning. I'm Patrice Sikora. There are several factors to consider when talking taxes, but before we actually get to them, Ken, what about your critical conversation today, the one that will kick us off for our, our podcast? Yeah, so it's not what you make, it's what you keep that's important. I like that. And and I, I liken that to climbing a mountain, uh, like climbing Mount Everest, 29,060 feet to get to the top. That's like what you're making. That's the retirement plan. You're growing those retirement assets and chugging up the mountain. You've got to the top and now you need to get down. And that's the what you keep part. How do you take those distributions? That's a different strategy than just the whole idea of growing assets. So it's really not the gross income that's important. It's the net income. That's what's available to spend on lifestyle. Now, there's no simple rule for spending your assets, but there are a couple of rules of thumb that are talked about often. One rule of thumb is to only spend the interest that mm. you're making off of your portfolio. And another popular strategy is to withdraw 4% of the retirement balance and then adjust for inflation annually. Well, that one kind of went by the wayside last year, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's different times and that'll always change. And that's why I say rather than relying on any one rule, each client has goals and income needs. That's pretty universal. And it may include stable cash flow through retirement and for many, leaving money to heirs. But that strategy is a personal strategy. It's personalized for them. All right. Now, when you're talking strategies and, and however you're going to, to deal with your income and your assets, there are challenges that I know you're going to talk about in the big one today, and I think everybody can identify taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest cost for growing assets and taking income are the cost of taxes. This can't be minimized. This is a major factor for most everyone. Many retirees and pre-retirees have done a great job of saving for retirement. They're all set. 
and they find that taxes will be the biggest factor that separates them from their retirement dreams. Uh, I can believe it, but go on, explain how, how so? Well, you know, I I think the first thing that, that we really emphasize when talking to someone about finance in general and specifically about taxes is the way we think about money, the way we think about taxes. And when you change the way you see things, then the things you see change. (laughs) And I know that sounds like it's almost the glass is half full, the glass is half empty, but there's a real focus to that. Albert Einstein said the hardest thing in the world to understand is the income tax. Okay, I'm with him. Yep. The the writers of the tax rule, Congress, the IRS, they've created a confusing set of terms that in tax talk, we have completely different meanings than in the common usages. And so very often I'll begin by talking about what the difference between different terminologies and different strategies. And one that we always begin with is the idea of the adjusted gross income or AGI versus taxable income. So AGI is before deductions. So it's important to know because many provisions in the tax code are based on AGI, not taxable income, Hmm. the income that you're actually taxed on. So here's the thing. If we're focused on my taxable income, then, and the AGI is the actual factor, then we would want to know that going into our tax strategy. So the best planning moves typically are strategies that lower AGI and therefore lower taxes. I'll give an example. And we've talked about this, you know, in the past, and I want to talk about it again. A a simple example here is the Qualified Charitable Distribution, QCD. Now, these are charitable distributions that get transferred directly from the IRA to the charity. That reduces your AGI. Hmm. Therefore, it creates a tax advantage. Some of the rules, real quick, and I'll give you this example. Rule number one, seven and a half. So age-based, eligible funds, an IRA, it can't be taken out of an employer fund. All the way up to a $100,000 annual limit. So big money here. They satisfy your required minimum distribution. And then it's required that you have a direct transfer from the IRA to the qualified charity. Now, I'm going to walk through an example just to give some teeth to this. The typical example is uh, someone who would give to the church. And again, it's not only the church, but it's any qualified charity. And it could be multiple. It doesn't have to be any one. But the church is a great example because typically on Sunday, the basket comes around, there's a check that goes into the basket, and that's what our contributions are to the church. Now, that money comes from where? Well, it comes from our checking account. It comes after tax. We've already paid taxes on that. And so in the example of a $10,000 charitable donation that's given monthly or weekly throughout the year, That's after tax dollars, already spent taxes on it. Now, if we do that as a direct transfer, then that $10,000 that otherwise would be required as a minimum distribution, then that money comes out tax-free, and in a 20% tax bracket, 
this client is going to save $2,000 in taxes for doing the very same thing that he's done for years and years and years, and that is donate $10,000 to a charity. By doing it in this method, now he's captured $2,000 of potentially additional income for the year. That makes total sense. It makes It's a simple difference, but it makes total sense. It is. And one of the first phases of talking to someone about strategies like this is to take a look at what they're already doing and just see if it can be improved. We call that catching money that's falling through the cracks. That's the type of money that is very, we have to take no risk to make that happen. We just make a subtle change in what they're already doing and capture in this case, $2,000 could be more. Tell me some more, because I, I understand the AGI now and the taxable income, but this is an eye-opener on the qualified charitable distributions. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Wait, there's more to it. Absolutely. <laughs> As if AGI wasn't confusing enough. We have modified adjusted gross income. Now, where did that term come from? Again, only Congress and the IRS can come up with this stuff. Modified adjusted gross income is having to do with Medicare premiums for the higher incomes. It's called IRMA, I-R-M-A-A, -A, or Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. This is a tax again, all right? It's based on modified adjustment adjusted gross income, which puts all the non-taxable into the equation. Now, this typically is going to start at age 65. So paint this picture for a moment. The rule says that they're going to use the income from two years prior. Mm -hmm. So what that means for a typical retiree is he's showing up at age 65 and saying, okay, I'm going to retire. I've got Medicare in the bag. I can take my social security if I want to. I'm ready to go. And then he learns that Medicare comes at a cost. And that look back is probably one of the highest earning years for the typical working retiree right. in their lifetime. And this income-related monthly adjustment is going to be exposed now. And it's going to follow him until that income gets adjusted down throughout the next few years. And here's what the hit is. For a typical married filing a joint return, it begins at $194,000. And that additional amount, that income-related adjustment, is $164.90 per month. And it continues to go up to the highest income earners that will pay an additional $560.50 on top of the base Medicare premium. Now, this is this is married. What about singles? Oh, the numbers are about cut in half for a single. Okay. Here's the thing, is that for this to show up, and not be part of the planning model to kick off day one of a retirement strategy would be a big misstep 
especially when we start to talk, start to look at and talk about the costs of healthcare in retirement. This is the beginning conversation of the costs of healthcare and retirement. A fun fact there, that's not so much fun for most people, but the typical retiree, buried file and joint return. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for two, they will have average healthcare costs over the retirement life of $285,000, according to one of the recent studies. Now that sounds, to be honest, a little low when you're talking your entire retirement life. That doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like there's long-term care factored in there. Very well. Yep. That's long-term care is different than healthcare or traditional healthcare. Okay. And that's a whole nother conversation that we'll get into in a, in another podcast for sure. All right. Well, that's just healthcare. So Please continue. This is very eye-opening. Sure. Yeah. And and so really following the whole tract of taxes. And, and of course, I bring this up because we dismiss this as, uh, well, it's a cost of doing business with the with the government. I've, I've gotten my health care costs. Look, we've paid premiums in on this for years and years and years, mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 year careers. And all of a sudden we show up and we've got these additional add on costs. These are just additional tax costs that add to the retirement burden and all relate back to it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And continuing on with really what the differences between and the tax talks are. Okay. So some of the other differences are after tax versus pre-tax money, cost versus basis. And here's one that is interesting for many, beneficiary versus a designated beneficiary versus an eligible designated (laughs) beneficiary. All right. Only the IRS can make this stuff up. And I just want to jump back one step, cost versus basis. How many people understand what that means? Well, we certainly go through a conversation with them about what their cost base cost of something is versus what their basis is, because it has a lot to do with this next one, which is capital gains versus mm-hmm. ordinary income. And look, there's 23 others that are out there and many apply, many don't, but it's important that we recognize which one of those terminologies are going to be important to our clients when we're thinking about the biggest cost associated with taking income and growing money, which is the cost of taxes. And it's not just the income tax at the end of the year. It's all these other taxes that are factored in throughout the year. And I'll tell you this, by the way, capital gains has the lowest tax bracket. You know, that tax bracket is zero. (laughs) And yet when you think of capital gains, you do not think of zero. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's it's important to recognize that where there are opportunities, uh, I think we talked about earlier, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. And here's one where we're thinking about capital gains as always being a cost, but how can we engineer a capital gain in a zero capital gain environment? Uh, wouldn't that be a benefit to a client? Mm-hmm. If they knew how to plan for that, if they knew how to create then the circumstances that would allow for that zero bracket, 
Um, and that's what the capital gain bracket is. Tell me more. How can we do this? Yeah. So this, the, the zero bracket, you know, most people like to hear zero taxes. And um, so, so now I'm going to move to the, the favorite type of account. My all time highest recommendation is how about we move money from tax deferred retirement money, like 401ks or IRAs and move it from forever taxed to never taxed. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thanks so much for listening to Roadmap to Retirement. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So what am I talking about here? Mm-hmm. Let me so guess. The Roth IRA. The Roth IRA, my favorite kind of account. Why? Because it's tax-free. And it comes at a cost, though. For the typical retiree, we have placed enormous amounts of money in tax-deferred accounts. And those tax-deferred accounts continue to grow, continue to grow, and they're like the seed that was planted. Now they've harvested, and they're getting bigger and bigger. And, of course, the tax burden is getting bigger and bigger. And that's the single thing that many times we're considering when we think about doing a Roth IRA conversion. All right, now, just as a quick background, Roth IRAs can be created two ways. We can either contribute to it, and we have to have earned income, in other words, after-tax income, that we contribute, and we can contribute uh, six or $7,000 a year into that. So not real aggressive, but doable. The vast majority of people are going to be doing Roth IRA conversions. And important to note here, a Roth IRA conversion is actually a tax loophole that can be closed. And they've discussed that. Oh. So a Roth IRA conversion allows for an IRA, sometimes it's called the backdoor Roth, by the way. So when you see some jargon out there in the financial news, they talk about the backdoor Roth. It's not limited to the amount. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. And here's my thesis on that is taxes are on sale right now. Right now is an excellent time to be thinking about doing Roth IRA conversions. Just from a pure tax perspective, they're on sale. Let me give you an example. If we go back to the year 2001 and take a look at where taxes were, so some 23 years ago, we'll say, a typical married filing to joint income, joint return, the first $45,200 was being taxed at 15%. Now the math tells me that's $6,780 in taxes. And then we go from 45,200 up to 100,000. That in 2001 was being taxed at 28%. That tax, 15,343. So the total tax for that payer is $22,123. So again, on a $100,000 
taxable income, that's 22.1%. Mm-hmm. So that was all the way back in 2001. Fast forward to the returns that are being filed this year in 2022. That same married has the first 20550 of income being taxed at 10% or $2,055. The next 83550 taxed at 12% or 7,559. And then the final portion from 83,550 up to 100,000 is taxed at 22%. That tax is $3,618. I add those three up and I get a total tax of $13,232. That turns out to 13.2%. Hmm. There's a large disparity, almost 9% less tax paid. That's less tax paid, Mm -hmm. not modified adjusted gross income, not the AGI, not taxable income. It's nine, almost, it's 8.9. It's almost 9% actual less tax paid. Taxes are on sale right now. A great opportunity to look at moving money from forever taxed to never taxed. Explain the fact that when you do go for the Roth conversion, you you actually are paying taxes, but it's up front. Correct. Yeah. So let's walk through that for a moment. And 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 before and I, and I, and I think we're going to be able to get into some examples in later episodes about how to engineer this and actually lower the tax base of that um, of that IRA such that we can um, actually convert really with a less, a lower basis. And so we'll, we'll dedicate some time to that. But just to get into the basics here of, of the Roth IRA conversion, rule number one typically is I'm going to recommend that you pay the taxes from a source outside of your IRA, meaning we're hoping that you have money in the bank. Mm-hmm. You have some funds to pay the taxes because you do have to pay those taxes in the year that you've done the conversion. Now, why would I say that you have to have money sitting on the sideline to pay the tax? The reason for that, of course, is, is that we want the most amount of money stuffed into that Roth IRA that we can get into it because now we've got an engine that is growing tax free. And we want the most amount of money in there. Got it. And then what do we do? Continue on with those kinds of conversions. Uh, that is, again, one of my favorite conversations around uh, moving money from a tax-deferred scenario to tax-free. Continuing on with that, uh, very often we can take advantage of other tax codes that will lower the cost basis of that IRA account and therefore allow for us to convert. Uh, give you an example in a, in a real estate deal. And I'll get into more detail on this once we get into uh, a later episode, but in a real estate deal that is developmental, we have the opportunity to invest into that developmental deal and have it valued like every IRA is valued at the end of each year. So on December 31st of each year, every IRA per the IRS code is required that the custodian uh, value that account and then report it to the IRS. 
Now, in a developmental deal, what can happen is, is that uh, if we are in the first phase of development, uh, we may put $100,000 into a Roth IRA, or excuse me, an IRA, and then in the first valuation for that IRA, the appraisal on that is coming in at something less than the $100,000. Uh, the typical deals are going to come in somewhere around a 35% discount. Mm. So this is a simple way to look at using developmental real estate to facilitate a Roth IRA conversion, because now what's happening is, is that that IRA goes from $100,000 value to $65,000 with this 35% discount. Once that happens, then we transfer it to the Roth IRA, because we know as that building gets built up, the reason why it's valued less is, is that it's land, it's been cleared may have a foundation on it, may have some electrical stub up, some utilities there. And that's the valuation at the end of the first year. Perfectly legal, done all the time, done majorly by big real estate people. So at this point, then we move it to the Roth IRA. Its value is 65000 The next year, it gets revalued at the basis, which is the $100,000. So now we have captured $35,000 of value in the Roth IRA, and we don't pay taxes on that portion. We've only paid taxes on the 65 that converted. So that's a, a basic intro to engineering a lower tax on a Roth conversion. Did that make sense? Very interesting. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, I'm... <laughs> One word, along with tax, one other word, inflation. Yeah. yeah. You know, inflation is a tax. When you come right it's, down to it, yeah. It, it, it's a stealth tax, uh, and, and it's very profound. Inflation is bad, but it's really worse than people think. And, and what I mean by that is, is that inflation permeates throughout everything, that we are doing. It's the whole basis of our retirement income. And most planning is done considering a basic 3% inflation number. And, and I think that's a mistake. I think it's something that we, um, that we talk about with our clients and come to a conclusion. And, uh, and one of the examples that I use, uh, I've used the Big Mac in, in years past, where I'll go back and say, what was the Big Mac back years ago? And what is it today? Uh, the example they'll use now is the postage stamp. In the year 2000, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on the last 20 plus years because that this is where all this stuff has really hit the fan. That we're right. starting to realize all the volatility in the markets, all the money that's been printed, which is really the source of inflation. All that that money supply being expanded, and so we go back to the year 2000, and the postage stamp was 30 cents. Forgot that. Boy, did I forget that. Yeah. And in 2023, you know, it just went up. I think today's the day, but it went up to 63 cents. Right. That's an increase of 33 cents. Now, just doing the math on that, man, that is 4.78% on the postage stamp over that time. And I know that Many people have brought me other examples of high inflation, whether it be eggs or other things that are uh, that are worthy of talking about. But this this is a cost 
that sometimes is misunderstood. I'll give you an example. I was doing on Friday of this week, I was doing a couple of examples for on a client's um, financial plan. And we were looking at uh, changing some numbers. So we changed the amount of tax to go up two and a half percent over the retirement life. And it caused the income uh, need to just a little over double. Oh. Now, when we applied two and a half percent inflation, it was three times more. Oh, my. So a two and a half percent difference in the taxes was way superseded by a two and a half percent difference in inflation. And, and that's noteworthy. Those are the kinds of conversations that you have really up front in financial planning, especially when we're taking a look at the risks associated with the financial plan completing itself. How long will we live based on the pot of gold that we have to live off of? And those are two competing factors, the cost of inflation, which is part of a tax, but we don't necessarily look at it mm -hmm. like a tax. Ken, there is so much here that you have touched on, and I know people have questions. How can listeners reach you? Well, the a few things are going on that I think they're very, very helpful. Uh, these podcasts are um, are posted on our website, and that's really a great resource across the board on all these concepts that we've talked about, especially the concepts of money falling through the cracks. Uh, so our website uh, is, is a great area to go back to, to take a look and find information. And for the one-on-one -on -one conversation, a quick phone call, go over, get a deeper dive into this, give a call to our office and talk with Jenny Giraud. That number is 321-454-3623. And of course, all you listeners follow this podcast. Make sure you don't miss any episodes of Roadmap to Retirement be sure to share with friends and colleagues, too. I do think they may have some questions for Ken as well. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com or give us a call at 321-454-3623. Securities offered through Center Street Securities, Inc., CSS, a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Center Street Securities Advisors, CSA, a SEC-registered investment advisor. Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management, CSS, and CSA are independent entities. Discussions are meant to be general in nature and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consult a tax professional regarding any tax implications.